0: Good morning. Uh, let's have a word of prayer together. Jesus, thank you so much for these beautiful people and the high honor of being able to celebrate Easter with them uh, in this moment. And Lord, my prayer is the same thing we pray every week in a uh, We want to leave here and be more like you. I want to be, be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better man. I just want to be more like you. And I pray that for everybody here, whether they acknowledge you as a Lord and Savior, whether they're just here because someone invited them, whether they're just checking you out, uh, we just want to be more like you, Lord, I've seen what the world's doing, I've seen the way it's going, and I don't want to be more like that, I don't want to, I want to be more like you, so I pray in the next few moments, whether it's a big way or a small way, you would make each and every person in this room more like you, and uh, and we'll open ourselves up to that, in your name we pray, amen. So uh, I was thinking about our time together, and I was reflecting on uh, you know Easter time, of course, uh, a lot of guests come, a lot of people that uh, don 't even believe come to church, and you all thought we didn 't know, but we know and uh, and, 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 and that 's awesome. so I was thinking that we all kind of have these different tastes in our mouth related to Jesus. So some of us come into the room like this and we think, man, I grew up in the church you know I remember Sunday school classes and gospel sings and uh, you know going to an altar and uh, potluck dinners and all these things are awesome I can't wait to celebrate Jesus then there's another group of people that don't even know what a potluck is and you think, wow, is that a Vegas term or is that something creepy just Christians do and and I get that too, uh, but you kind of come in this room real skeptical and you're sort of checking everything out and you've kind of formed some evaluations and opinions and and I get that too uh, and you're just Sort of, kind of, got your guard up because you're waiting for when we're going to bring the snakes out and do something that only weird Christians do, and and that'll be toward the end of the service. And then, <clears throat> then there's this third group of people in the room, and uh, and what you are is you've kind of you've, you've kind of, if you will, you walked out on it. You know, you started out with some Jesus maybe small, and and now you sort of walked out on it because you know something disappointed you, or you got hurt, or somewhere. Or maybe you walked out because. You actually met some people who said they followed Jesus, and it was less than what you were hoping it would be. It was less than what you thought it would be. But regardless of what kind of taste you have in your mouth uh, related to Jesus, uh, let me just say this. Uh, I'm I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. And I think it's a good place for us to be together and to check out kind of this whole thing of Easter. A few weeks ago, uh, I went to the restaurant. A staff took me to the restaurant. And when I say they took me to the restaurant, they drove, they didn't buy. And so we go to this restaurant, and it was a weird restaurant in that um, you didn't sit down at a table and like, get like, service at the table, stuff like that, and you didn't even go up to the order counter. What you did is you walk into this restaurant, and there's this little area over here with all of their menu printed on a card. And so everything's printed on the card, and then there's these Sharpies, and you basically mark everything you want on the sandwich, what you want them to make for you. And so, like, they have this, like, meat section, and then you just circle all of that, of course. You know, just take every meat that's ever been invented and put that on the sandwich. Tofu, nope, throw that out the door. And then they're like lettuce and tomatoes and peppers and all that stuff. You just check, 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 check. And then it gets to the cheese. Every cheese that God has ever made is on this list of paper, and you just check, 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 you know, every cheese. And then when it's all said and done, you take what you have created and you put it to the lady behind the counter, and a very nice lady behind the counter makes your sandwich just like you wanted it to be made. It's an amazing place. I'll tell you where after service. And I got to thinking about that. I was like, you know, uh, that's kind of the way we do things in our lives, isn't it? Especially when we go out to eat. I mean, when's the last time you went out to eat with somebody, and they just ordered what's on the menu? We always tweak whatever it is we order. For example, if I go to a Mexican restaurant, I always say, I'll have whatever, but just don't put any guacamole on there because I don't think God made that. And so, you know, I don't think you should put that on the plate. So I do that too. And then some of you people, you know, you are so customized in what you, what you eat, you know. And in fact, we have one person who's really extra on our staff who customizes their water. And so this is what they'll do. Uh, so if you get water, what kind of fruit comes in Water. Lemon, lemon fruit comes in water. You know why you all know that? You're normal people. That's why. Not this one. No, I don't want to tell you who it is, Beth. But who it is (laughs) is that she'll ask for lime in her water. And then some of you people, you're probably in someone, you're the only one in your family, but some of you extra people, what you'll do when you customize your water is you'll say, I'd like a glass of water, but no ice. It's all water. It doesn't change. I mean, it's going to melt. Just relax, chill out a little bit. It's going to become water, and we do that, and we do that with food too. So, can I have rice instead of potatoes? Uh, can I have asparagus instead of onion rings? <laughs> Said nobody ever. Can I have? Can I have my dressing on the side? Hey, I'd really like a salad, but I don't want any lettuce in it. Would that be okay? And so we all sort of have these things that we sort of customizing on that when we go out to eat. And so as I was reflecting on all that, and I was thinking about Easter, I realized this. See if you agree with what I'm getting ready to say. I, I think I customize Jesus. I think I sort of kind of customize Jesus, and, 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 I, and I do something that's a little, little different. It's like I'm ordering off a menu. For, for example, this. I get doing life, and I'm doing my deal, and then I come across something that I know that Jesus said to do or Jesus said don't do. Let's, let's just say you, you offend me, and so I get angry with you. And I know Jesus says I'm not supposed to let us like, stay angry together, and I'm supposed to forgive you and all that kind of stuff, but out of my pastor's heart, I don't want to. I don't want to forgive you, and I'd rather just stay mad at you. And so what I do is I start talking about what Jesus wants for me, Jesus a la carte, Jesus off the menu. And so this is how that plays out for me. I think, wow, well, Jesus loves me. And Jesus wants me to be happy. So, my Jesus says it's okay for me to be mad at you. In fact, my Jesus is mad at you. And that's the way we're gonna do this. We're customizing Jesus. Are Build A Bear still a thing? So they were when my kids were growing up. If you've never done this before, let me tell you what happens. You walk by this restaurant, and they lure you in with their window dressing, kind of like crack or something, and you kind of, all the kids go running to it. And you go in there, and you get this what I can only describe as a carcass. I mean, it's like this empty fur thing that somebody pulled off the road and the vultures had already eaten everything out inside. And then you can kind of build a bear. And so you can put the stuff in in it, you know, and then you can put what color uh, uh, eyes you put on it. You can determine whether you want to put a hat on it or pants or socks and tattoos and all these different things. And then like for like a thousand, oh, you put a voice in it. You can put a little voice box in it. So you push this belly and it says, I'm watching you. You know, whatever that happens, it's just creepy. And then, and, and then you do all that. And then like for a thousand bucks, you can take it home. It's an amazing thing. This Build-A-Bear business. And so I got to thinking about that. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if we did these Build-A-Jesus things? <laughs> I know it's been a long week for my mind, but let's just let's just say we start this Build-A-Jesus restaurant and we open it up here in town. And so what it means is, and by the way, it's not this restaurant, but they gave me a free bag. Okay, So, so it's this one. So we go to the build a Jesus restaurant and we go to the drive-thru because we're Americans. And so we go through the drive-thru and we order up our Jesus the way we want it. And so I started to think what I would order. And here's kind of something that I would order. You see what you think. Uh, hello. I would like a supersized Jesus, extra grace, some double forgiveness, hold the hard truth with a big order of don't make me feel bad about anything anything that I have ever done on the side, and also if you could answer every prayer that I've ever offered and protect me from any hurt or pain in my life and eventually let me die in my sleep. That would be great. Where do I get that? And then what we do is we take that Jesus that we've created, that we ordered off the menu, and we take that Jesus and we put him in the car beside us. And then we start doing life. And we get going through life, and everything's going great. And then life hits some kind of pothole. Not like a little cute pothole, but a, but a big pothole. And the wheel falls off. Or maybe you hit the wall, or maybe it hits the fan, or whatever you... go Off the rails, whatever it is you want to say. But it's okay, because life has been difficult. The diagnosis comes down, the marriage is tanking, you know, whatever. The kids reject us, parents hit us, the addiction's winning. But it's okay, because we've ordered up Jesus. And he's sitting here right here in the seat beside us. And so what we do, at least in Tom's mind, is we talk to Jesus in the bag. You live your life, I'll live mine. And so we're talking to Jesus in this bag. And we say, hey, Jesus, my life has just hit the pothole. And it's off the rails. And I'm not sure I'm going to make this through this. Could you possibly fix this? (laughs) You fix this. And the bag says back. You can't. You can't. I just stopped at the restaurant right down there, and I ordered you up. I even supersized you. I even supersized you, Jesus. And, I, and, I, and this is now when I really need you. And Jesus says, I can't. Why? Because I'm not real. You made me up. You made me the way you wanted me to be. But I never really existed. I'm not real. And I got to tell you, minus the whole talking to the bag thing, there's a period of time in my life when I made Jesus up the way I wanted Jesus to be. And when Jesus didn't, couldn't respond to what I needed. It raised two questions that, to be honest with you, I still think I questioned. I, I deal with some of the second question. The first question is this. Wow, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus anymore. And what really I was saying was, I don't believe in the Jesus. I just ordered off the menu. But here's the second question. I don't know if I can ever trust Jesus again. He let me down when I really needed him. So how do I know he's going to be there the next time? Now, I hope it's true, at least for some of us in this room, that the main reason that faith took a hit or faith was rejected or faith dropped off the priority list in our home or in our lives, because our family went through a tough season. You went through a tough season. And you went to your Jesus in the bag and you told him what he should do and when to do it. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. And so you had to come to a decision. Do I even believe in this? And will I ever be able to trust it again? Now, here's the thing. I've lived my life long enough, and and some of you have lived a lot longer than I have, by the looks of you. And see if you agree. I, I think I've lived my life long enough I've had enough experiences. I've had enough hurt. I've come face to face with enough hurt that I've caused in my life and hurt that other, people's have, other people have caused that hurt me. And I've formed this incredibly secretive, awkward, but compelling con- conclusion, and it's this. I need Jesus. Don't judge me. I don't need that one. But I need a real one. And maybe there's some small part of you that hopes that there might be a real Jesus other than the one you bought into when you were a kid or the bought into when you before you walked away from all this, a Jesus somewhere that's true, a Jesus that's something better than I rejected when I was younger. So here's my agenda for all of you visiting and don't know me from Adam. Here's my agenda for the next few moments, all cards on the table. Before we reject Jesus, or before we decide about Jesus, why not figure out who Jesus said he was? Not who churches and, but not who everybody else in culture, but let's just see what Jesus, who Jesus says he was. And if we say no, then, well, let's say no to what's real. Let's not say no to something we created. Let's say no to what's real. And so what I'm going to do in the next time I have left is I'm just going to give you an example of just one example of when people that had on a la carte Jesus that they ordered off a menu encountered the real Jesus. Stories told in the Gospel of Mark. So Mark is a book in the Bible written by a guy named Mark, and he called it Mark because he had no imagination whatsoever. And um and in that book, it's a dude who did life with Jesus. He walked and talked to Jesus and he knew Jesus, and so he wrote down what he saw. And in Mark chapter 1, the book opens up with this story of Jesus healing a guy who had leprosy. Which was a pretty big deal. We don't have to deal much with leprosy in our culture, but it was a pretty big deal in his culture because it was so contagious and there's no cure. And so the lepers would all kind of live together. People with leprosy would live together in these colonies. Well, Jesus comes onto the scene and apparently he heals a guy with leprosy. Well, in that culture, that that rumor spread like wildfire because nobody had ever heard about this before. And the crowd started gathering. So, and then in Mark chapter 2, the crowds all hear that Jesus can heal people and he kind of does these tricks. And so, Jesus is teaching in this little house, and this little house is crammed with people. I mean, they're crammed all in the kitchen, in the dining room, in the foyer, and on the couches. They're everywhere, hanging in the windows, and they're crammed with people because they've come to see Jesus do his tricks. Now, in this town, there were these five friends who were doing life together, and one of the friends was paralyzed. So the four friends decide, hey, we've heard the rumor that Jesus healed a guy who's a leper. What if maybe we took our friend who's paralyzed and got him into a room with Jesus, and then maybe... Jesus would do one of his little tricks. And that's where he picked up the story, verse 4 of chapter 2. You can read it for yourself. When the friends could not get near Jesus because the house was crowded, they removed the roof above Jesus. We're going to come back to that. And when they made an opening, they let, let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now, in my mind, these four guys grew up together. Well, I don't know this. I'm just telling you in my mind. And these, and these four guys, I don't know, maybe the accident happened when they were teenagers. Maybe they were all swimming, and one of them took a dive and hit a rock, and all all of a sudden they're paralyzed. I have no idea what happened, but whatever, whatever happened, there's a legit bond between these five guys. How do I know that? Let me ask you something. You name four of your friends you would trust to lower you from the ceiling on a bed, then you know what kind of trust they have going on. These guys were tight. Now, whatever their history, the four friends break open the roof, and let's pause here long enough to say that's a weird moment. That's not normal behavior, even though it's in the Bible. This was always a weird moment, just as it would be here today. And so they break open the moment. And I always figure there's one guy in the group who's always telling the jokes. And he opens the thing, and everyone's looking, like, looking up. And they see Jesus' hair is covered in plaster and there's dust everywhere, And the guy goes, hello. You know, he kind of weighs down into the moment. And then uh, they just kind of gets their, all their attention. And all of a sudden, man, this bed gets lowered down right there in front of Jesus. And you know what the four friends were saying? The four friends were saying to Jesus, hey, can you fix this big problem? Can you fix our friend's big problem? Now, this is a weird moment in the service. Not, not this service, but that service. And the crowd is getting pumped up about it. The crowd's getting pumped up because the only reason they're in the room right now is because they heard somewhere that Jesus had healed a guy with leprosy. The message is over. As soon as somebody starts breaking open the roof, sermons are done. And we're going to watch to whatever's going to happen here. And that's true for Jesus, too. And so the ceiling opens up, and here comes this body entering into the room from the ceiling. And all of a sudden, the reason the crowd was in the room, this is the moment. And so all of them pull out their phones. And the fingers are poised over the phones, so they could be the first to tweet about it to change the status on Facegram Snapcrack, and they're going to do that. and this hush falls over the room, and everybody leans in tight on the edge of their seat because Jesus, the dog and pony show, is getting ready to show up, and this hush falls over the room, and everybody waits for the rabbit to be pulled from the hat, and finally, Jesus, the great magician, speaks, and Jesus says, "Son." Your sins are forgiven. Ta da! And the room was stunned, silent, just like the room here was. Because it was the most disappointing, non dramatic moment these people had ever seen. It was like ordering a beef burger and getting tofu, it was like a Christmas present that you rip open and only to find out it's fruitcake. It was like getting an Easter basket with only those little yellow and pink peep things in them. It was like being a Gamecock fan and hoping for a championship. You guys, you guys, you guys let Christmas go, you let Easter. We do a Clemson joke and everybody's in. You all need some Jesus. I don't care what kind. It was a disappointment upon disappointment time. This isn't the Jesus everybody wanted to see. And you know what? It isn't the Jesus we want to see either. Truth be told. No, the people wanted what everybody in this room wants Jesus, fix the big problem. Jesus, we need you to heal. We need you to make money fall from the sky. We need you to restore purity. We need you to reconcile me with my children. I need you to get me a job. I need you to keep me on the wagon. In fact, this is how most of us pray when it comes to Jesus. See if you agree. Jesus, my blank is broken, and I need you to fix it. Whatever it is. In fact, probably over the past week, most of us have spent more time thinking about whatever we would put in this blank than we have about whether or not our sins are forgiven this week. And the people in the room are no different than the people in this room the people were actually disappointed and a little ticked off at Jesus. And you know why the people were feeling these things? Because they felt they'd been set up. They felt this whole thing's a scam. Because like many of us, uh, many of the people in the room didn't care about the spiritual side of things. What they needed help was with what was ever broken, the physical side of things. They didn't care about whether their sins were forgiven or whether their souls had been made holy What they wanted was their blank to be fixed. And so they started to say it. They didn't say it, but that whole forgiveness thing is really cute, Jesus, but I still can't walk. That whole forgiveness thing is, oh, that's so special, Jesus, but they're still leaving. The cravings aren't going away. The guilt's killing me. Shame's too great. They're going to reject me. And I so get that feeling. And there are some religious people in the room, religious leaders, and they, they heard what Jesus said, and they went after what Jesus said. They said this, why does this man speak like that, the whole forgive things? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And in these words, the scribes are stating what everybody's thinking. Who do you think you are, Jesus? God? If there's a sin problem to be fixed in me, then that's going to take a God. There are some things that are so broken in my life that only God can really fix them. And now, Jesus has all the people in that room right where he wants them. So he says, which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up, take your bed, and walk? And you know the answer to that question, right? It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. I can say that for you, and you're never going to know. Meet me in the lobby after the service. Hey, Tom, would you forgive my sins? Yeah, sure, forgive your sins, go on, do that no more. I don't have that power by the way, but I could say it to you. And the reason that's easy for me to say is because you never know if it worked. You'd never know. And that's what Jesus is saying. But if you get up and walk, well, that's a big deal. If you can make this dude walk, well, then all of a sudden you have my attention. Verse 10. But so you'll know. Did you hear it? So you'll know that the Son of Man, Jesus, has authority on earth to forgive sins. And this is the moment. The light's dim and the spotlight comes on. Everybody pulls their phones back out. Fingers poised over keyboards and cell phones to record what happens next. Because whatever happens next will tell us whether or not this dude merits any more of our attention. And if he does what he says he's going to do, then what that means is he can not only handle our biggest problem in this moment, but he can handle our spiritual problem as well. And so Jesus says, So that you'll know. The son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. And what happened in that little house all points to this weekend in this house. Because Jesus said, before, did, before anything happened, before anything ever happened, Jesus said, here's the deal. The temple's going to be destroyed in three days. It's going to be built again. Everybody knew that was impossible. And then he went into more detail with the disciples closest to him. He said this. He said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be arrested. Tried. And then I'm going to be killed. Friday. Be dead. No way, believed it. But Jesus said, it's going to happen. And Saturday, nothing's going to happen. But then he said, when Sunday comes, I want you to tune in and pay attention. Because on Sunday, I'm going to do something physically so you will know without a shadow of a doubt that I can take care of you spiritually. Jesus fixed what the guy on the mat thought was his biggest problem when he made him walk. But that wasn't the guy's biggest problem. You know why? The dude on the mat died. Unless you've read a story somewhere that he's still walking around Israel carrying his mat around saying, I can walk, I can walk, 2,000 years later. Nope, he got sick, he died, he got hit by a bus or something. He gone. Happy Easter. <laughs> no, I'm getting, I'm getting somewhere. Uh. See, his biggest problem wasn't whatever fill in the blank was. His biggest problem was that he had sin in his heart and Jesus forgave him of his sin. That was when the biggest problem got resolved. And that sort of leads to this, I guess, idea. Mistakes and disease, getting fired and relationship wrecks, falling off the wagon, all these are big problems and they're going to change. But if we don't allow Jesus to fix what's inside of us, the real Jesus, not this one, And if they don't allow Jesus to fix what's inside, nothing on the outside really is going to change for long. You know that, right? See, much of the pain and chaos in my life is actually a symptom of something going on inside, deep within me. And the real Jesus knows the biggest problem in my life and in your life Isn't the marriage, it's not the addiction, it's not the anger, it's not the sex, it's not the resentment. Those are all legit problems we all got to figure out how to deal with. But there's something inside that needs to be set right. And that's the key to unlock the meaning of the Christian life for me. What Jesus does on the inside helps to heal whatever is done on the outside. My blank is broken. And you know what? Next Easter it'll be a different blank. But there'll still be something broken. You know that, right? You've lived long enough, right? You get that. Today it's the kids, tomorrow it's the marriage, and then it's the finances, and then it's the job. It's always something that's broken. It's part of this life. And until Jesus fixed what's going on inside of you at the deepest core of who you are, the real Jesus, not this one, it's just a matter of time until we have another fill in the blank. Easter is the ultimate so you will know on a day in history Jesus backed up every teaching and every promise and every proclamation he ever made by rising from the dead on the third day just like he said he would do and if that's if that's not true listen to me if it's not true friends then forget All of this. Walk away. Don't waste your life or your time or your resources if it isn't true. Don't take your kids to egg hunts if it isn't true. You're feeding them something that's warped and a lie. But if it is true, if he did it, maybe he's actually worthy of leaning a whole life against. And maybe we can trust him with something more than our biggest problem today. I actually just have one point of application for you since I know so many guests are here and visiting. And my application point is this. Would you consider coming back? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to study and I'm going to prepare and I'm going to mine through Scripture and find real Jesus stories. And I'm going to do the best to my ability to share with you real Jesus stuff. This is the real Jesus. I'm going to do it for the next four weeks or so here. And I'd love for you to come back and be part of that. And at the end of it all, if you choose to reject that, well, at least you'll walk away from something that's real. Not something that you created so you'd feel better. Not something you created but was never real. I wonder if you'd be willing to do something a little weird with me. So far, I've had two people take me up on this this morning. But if you would, I promise it's it's just going to be weird, but it's just something I'd, I'd like to illustrate. If you could put your hand on your sternum or just below it. If you're comfortable. If you're not, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, put it on your own sternum, not your neighbor's, because that would be creepy and kind of weird. <laughs> but just, they have a lot of, to talk about after that. But let's just say you put it on the sternum. And here's why I'm asking you to do this, if you want to do it. Um, Hebrew culture, Greek culture, actually, they all taught that the core, the root of who you are, is actually just behind where your hand is right now. We'd call it heart or soul or sometimes gut. And that's what the word "splonknon" means. That's the, Hebrew, the Greek word, and it means, it means bowel gut. And what they thought and what they taught was that all of who you are flows out of that spot. How you love, how you resent, how you see yourself, how you see your past, your present, and your future, all of who you are flows out of that spot. In our words, maybe you could think of this area as your tell. This area tells everything else what to do. This place determines everything else. Now, if that's not weird enough, I want you to figuratively do something for me. Let's figuratively pretend we grab that tell and let's put it in our hand out here in front of us like this. Don't worry. We're going to put it back in a moment, so you'll, you'll be okay. But just for this moment, if you put it out there, stay with me. And if there is a real Jesus out there, not this one, if there's a real Jesus out there, perhaps we could ask two questions God, what do you want me to do? And then am I willing to do it? If it was real, if I was convinced it was real, what do you want me to do? And am I willing to do it? Not costume Jesus, but real Jesus. Some of you, it's time for you to offer your tell to the real Jesus. Not that one. The real Jesus. And what that means is, you're asking Jesus to do whatever it is he needs to do on the inside. That part of me that tells everything else what to do. You need to ask Jesus to to take that part of you. And he will. But I want to warn you, before you consider doing this, this is a difficult, difficult thing to go after the real Jesus. This is a lot easier Jesus to follow. The problem is when you need it, it's not there. But some of you may be willing to say, Jesus, I want you to take my towel, my 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 guts, my chewy chocolate center of who I am. I want you to take it and do whatever you need to do with it. Now, others of you, you're not ready in this moment. And you know it. And so you kind of just can shove that thing back inside there. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> and maybe not today. But at least now you know it's there. And hopefully in a day that's not too distant, you'll offer the, the chewy chocolate center part of you to the real Jesus, real Jesus. And you'll say Jesus, Whatever this life holds, I want you to be my purpose, to be my reason for living, and to tell all the rest of me what to do. Does that make sense? That's Easter. That's why this day matters. And that's why I think a life spent pursuing the real Jesus even when it makes me feel lost sometimes is a worthy effort because i'm tired of managing my own tell aren't you i screw this thing up man i'm tired of customizing my jesus and then reaching for it not, i don't love well i don't lead well i don't do well when i'm managing my own tell i need jesus And respectfully, so do you. Would you be willing to pray with me? Um, Lord, thank you for these beautiful people. And I just want you to look at them, Lord. I mean, we're all just trying to do life, right? We're all trying to figure out how to live our lives, love the people you place in our hearts and lives. We're all trying to figure out what the right thing is. All of us. But Lord, what we've discovered, at least a good many of us, is we make lousy lords for ourselves. And a good many people in this room have reached for you what they thought was you, only to discover that they've actually is a God they created. So listen, some of you, when we did that whole exercise, that weird thing with holding the splonk on in your hand and all that, um, you felt this was significant for you and God was speaking to your heart, you felt that you were gnawing on truth that, that made a, would make a big difference for you. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Tom, that sounds really weird, and I, and I get it. I do. But what that means is this. You're tired of holding your own tell, and you're going to give it to Jesus. There's no hocus pocus. There's no magic recipe. It's that you begin living a life devoted to the real Jesus. What's it look like? I don't know. Read it for yourself. Discover the real Jesus in scripture and then live your life for him. He'll show you, he'll teach you. But he won't force himself on you. You have to invite him in to have a personal relationship with him. You have to do that. And once you do, man, he he'll grow us up. He does. But you've got to invite them. And if you want to, you can do it in your own words. You can say, Lord, I just want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm offering you the chewy chocolate center of who I am. Forgive, heal, restore, whatever I offer to you. Hey, for some of you in the room, it's time to go back to the real Jesus. And you know it. Fake Jesus has let you down, has disappointed you. Real Jesus is there. He's just waiting for us to come back. Give him the chewy chocolate center of who you are. Give him the reins again. Let him lead you to where he wants you to be and use you in the way he wants you to be used. Thank you for raising from the dead. Thank you for thinking of the good folks that are alive as you hung on that cross and as you walked out of that tomb. In your name, amen.